Let's dive into the world of tabletop gaming and painting with the TippyCast. From rolling dice to mastering brush strokes, we're here to fuel your passion. Join us for insights, inspiration, and endless creativity. I'm Chris. And I'm Daz. So, uh, to start with this from the first episode of the TippyCast, we're just going to, just so you guys get to know us a little bit. Um, so, what we're going to do in this first section, we're going to talk about a couple of games uh, each that me and Chris play. Um, Chris is going to start us off with that and then uh, he'll tell us one of his I'll tell him one of mine and then we'll just go a bit back and forth now be aware there is some overlap and there are games both of us are incredibly passionate about we won't try and waffle on because there's plenty to get through and we have very little time so I think Chris if I'm right in saying you're going to be uh, starting off with the uh, the Walking Dead All Out War that's right it's Walking Dead All Out War by Mantic Games uh, it's been back on my mind because Mantic are bringing the game back and uh, they're bringing a new wave of models with it as well with the Commonwealth which brings the game and the uh, the narrative story to an end. The game's coming back now and I started doing a Let's Play series, uh, I say it's each two episodes, uh, on the YouTube channel and I started that five years ago and uh, in fact it was five years ago to last week. Um, absolutely mad how the the time's flown by that, but uh, the third scenario I've tried recording it like four times. It's cursed, and I think I've I think I've got it worked out because every time I've done it, something's went wrong with the recording. But I mean that's never taken away from the game for us. But, uh, one of the great things with the game is that the rule set is so easy to pick up and play. And I will just add in, if you don't mind, when I was at the Expo uh, last year, the UK Games Expo in Birmingham, uh, I did actually manage to get a couple of turns of All Out War that someone was playing at a demo game. And you, I agree with you, mate, it is very easy to pick up. Sorry, I, I feel like I had to interrupt there. So. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, the characters have got two actions to take on the turn. And you choose between things like moving, shooting, make noise to lower some walkers, search for items, or try to lower the threat. Because the threat level, once it starts rising, I mean, it, the game gets harder the higher the threat. And, uh, there's one or two exceptions, but you can't repeat actions in the same turn. So if you if you wanted to move the, the eight inch movement, that's a run action. You can't do two sneaks. And when you run, you create noise. And when you create noise, one walker within 10 inches of the end of that movement or whatever action it is, moves six inches uh, to, the, uh, to that source of noise. But if you were to do something like shooting a gun, that creates mayhem. And then all the walkers within that 10 inch converge on that one point so you can kind of be quite sneaky with how you're you're using that device if if you've got an enemy between you and the the walkers then fire your gun at that that enemy you might not kill them but it might lure a bunch of walkers towards them and obviously depending on where they're positioned you might not take any of the the walkers on I mean, there is definitely a real sense of fear when you are playing the game, even as a miniatures game. You can start off with maybe, I think, like eight walkers on the board at there to start with. And very quickly, with different event cards that come into play, you start getting more and more walkers entering the, the battlefield. 
and you can become overrun quite quickly and when you're facing a single zombie it's not too bad because they just get a single dice to to roll there the red dice is like the it's got like the lowest number of successes on it and they only get one of them to, to attack you with they can't defend when they're in their melee combat so you know a couple of dice you're you're probably gonna beat them but with every additional walker that comes on they'll get an extra dice so the second walker gets their one dice they also get the an extra dice another walker that joins them they then get two extra dice three extra dice, four extra dice and it just keeps and, going and like so that on, and yeah. it very quickly gets to where you can't like you're not going to be able to survive it so it makes an individual walker not too bad but as a horde comes down on you you're not getting out of that so, so, so it really gives you a real vibe of that horde mentality mm-hmm. you know and and that sense of overwhelmingness of the horde which which i think when you look at i mean i've i hold my hands up to this i haven't read many of the comics Mm-hmm. Um, I have watched a lot. I used to watch a lot of it on the um, on the TV, and yeah, it replicates that fear of the horde. Yeah, which I think it's it's hard sometimes hard to grasp like a real sense of fear in a miniatures game. But I do I do feel it really does give that in that game. I mean, for the very small amount I played, it didn't get to that level, but you could sort of feel it approaching, which is is nice in a weird way mm-hmm. that you know it's going to get that way. And it makes it, and it does make it feel more like a zombie survival game rather than a me versus you game, which I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I think a lot of the time with zombie games, you don't get that sort of threat from them. No, definitely not. Like Mantic's managed to make it where they've turned the zombie miniatures game, board game, whatever, into like something a lot. I don't want to say a lot deeper because. Like, it's a very basic rule set, and I think like I don't say that to to insult the rule set. It's a fantastic rule set, and I th- I think now I think the, I think maybe the word you're looking for, and and try a way to explain it because I think I was thinking about this myself. They've really done zombie zombies a good service. Yes, you know as you said, ordinar- ordinarily. Zombies in games have never historically never been a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, I I remember I, I started playing Hero Quest. Like that's where I got into it. Zombies <laughs> never an issue, right? But the Walking Dead All Out War does really bring the zombie into its own. And and really, what is the zombie's greatest strength is its numbers. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's and also to the skilled player, and which I have seen. Um, it's when you get two players who are playing against each other. Is uh, the real skill I find is when you're trying to use the walkers as a weapon, mm-hmm. like you're you're doing that rather than trying to take them out yourself. And I think, again, it just adds that another level of depth to the gameplay. And and to be fair, as you said, nothing ever wrong with simple rules. And I find the simpler. I'll be honest. I've got a very short attention span. I don't like long drawn out games. Mm-hmm. I like quick games and I like games that I can pick up maybe the first game and then I can sort of like, oh, okay, so that's why this, that's why that and this and that. But when I did play it, it does very much feel that the the zombies, after a certain period of time, 
start to become a character in their own right. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than, oh, this one walker, two walkers, okay, I can deal with that. Six walkers, okay, I'm, I'm going to struggle now. Yeah. And then it starts six, to get six ten, walkers, you're 15. Done. <laughs> yeah, then you start getting into 10, you go, no, I'm, I'm not dealing with that anymore. <laughs> I mean, but they, I think they put done... a limit on how many dice get rolled mm. with the with the walkers. But I mean, a long time before that, you're in a lot of trouble. It's it's just, mm. it's just like you're not gonna have very much of a chance. You've probably got like a one percent chance or something like that of surviving it. But mm. I mean, it's you're not gonna survive it really. I think uh, doing them a service—that's definite. That's definitely the uh, the words I was looking for because it's just that is what zombies should be in the game. And I think is it that it the way the, that rule works and the way it works. I said as I said earlier, it it really sort of puts across that fear and it really puts across the peril that you then start to become in. You know, which you would be in that. In, you know, obviously in a real life situation, but. It does bring that level of peril where, and let's be honest, in most miniature games, you're a if you're playing more of like a small game, your character in or some of your figures tend to be almost god level. I'll say with inverted commas, mm-hmm. and there is no real sense of danger. Yeah, but I like in in all out war and the way that they've done it, and also um, it just it does bring it, it humanizes the characters you're using. You know, you're not these super elite soldiers you're not these giant guys in power armors you're not superheroes you're just everyday guys and you're just trying to get by and it, and the peril of the horde it does bring that sort of it does bring that sort of it does bring it across quite beautifully and i'll be honest i've seen some of the figures as well fantastic sculpts yeah the uh, there's a, a video that i did on the YouTube channel, where I'm looking at uh, Chris, leader of the Hunters, and mm. it's one of the uh, the resin models that uh, Mandic did because they did their different boosters with resin mm. pieces, whereas the uh, the the boxed game stuff was plastics, and the plastics great detail as well. But the resin, I think, is quite possibly. At the time, the, one of the best resins I've ever used. You'd get things like wood grain on the boxes, and it was just perfect, crisp. And there's, I've seen other resin models that just they don't quite have that, that crispness to them. And the the beautiful sculpts don't get us wrong. Like other other companies, other types of resin people are using, but these ones are just fantastically done. I mean. Some of the kingdom figures as well, especially the guys on horses, they're mm-hmm. so dramatic, you know, and it's and that's not something you generally see very much in like cavalry based cavalry based figures. Yeah. Uh but the, the you know, the the kingdom guys, it's they just you know, 'cause I, I know 'cause all out war and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. It's based on the comics, not the TV series. Yes, uh, so you don't get like your Daryl Dixon and things like that. It's, uh, mm. it's strictly comic, uh, the comic world. And they did an event booster which brought in uh, Lane Clementine from the Telltale Game series. Because that's also yes. the, uh, the comic universe. But that's what I mean. And, and, 
and that, do you know what? Actually, I will say this. I know this is slightly off off cuff. Um, I also really enjoy uh, Mantic as a company. How close they stay to original artwork, and they do tend to get the mm-hmm. original artists of the of the source material on board because they did it with Hellboy. Yes. And I love that about Mantic, you know, and their and their sort of passion towards these sort of, and I'm not going to say cult, but you know, the comics are less known than the series. Mm. So, but it's it's more bringing that into light, and it's almost like they are they're scratching a specific itch for people. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know? recently the they've been doing their the Worms game. They they had that on Kickstarter. And they were teasing yes. that uh, throughout last year. It's like, I mean, who remembers Worms? <laughs> it's funny you should say that because I saw, um, again, at the Expo, because uh, anybody, anybody who's anybody is at the Expo. Um, I saw him at the Expo uh, and they had the giant uh, the giant worm thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, mate, it was, uh, it was hilarious. I, saw, I walked past it. Now, if anyone was at the UK Games Expo um, and you saw someone walking around dressed as Cactus Jack, that was me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I walked past it and I and I had to take a minute because I genuinely thought I was having a heat heat stroke dream because I was like, I remember playing that on the PlayStation when I was good lord, 10, 11. <laughs> I remember you know, playing it on the Amiga. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I even had it on the PC, I think, for a time. But um, I had by the by, Worms 3D on the on the PC. I got that like as soon as I came out. But that's what I mean. I love I love Mantic's um, sort of uh, passion towards the source material, which is something I think they should be proud of. Mm. But yeah, definitely, I mean, they're, they're going they're going deep on the, on the projects they do. So I went. I when I played only. I said I only really played about three turns of All Out War, um, and that was some a games me. end in three turns. That's fine. <laughs> um, it was a me versus someone else situation, and we were capturing mm. objectives and sorts. Um, does it lend itself quite well to uh, cooperative play and and stuff like that, or is it more? Is it very versus play? But it's like you can you can do either comfortably uh it's got stuff for solo play competitive co-op if you're doing co-op then you'll uh you'll you'll build your your team up and you just kind of divvy out who's going to be playing which characters there's not a, a turn order for like if you're playing it like that it's just if mm. you think rick might perform better waiting after shane does uh does something then do that on your next turn. Maybe Rick's going to get something in position for Carl to shoot at, and you just kind of you work it just quite organically nice. like that. Whereas if you're doing uh, competitive, then it's you know the the rules are are nice for that as well. Then it works quite nicely for kind of like your back and forth. It's just like single activation. I go, hmm. you go. Walk as are uh, reacting to what's happening. So any noise or mayhem, it, uh, it it goes with that. And then once everyone's had their turn, your phases carry on. Uh, if you're doing competitive or solo, 
you just you're moving through everyone you've got, and uh, there's there's no like back and forth with it, but it, it doesn't really change the the way the like the turns play out. Okay. There's a, a narrative campaign that follows the comic story, and that's oh, what that's my cool. Let's Play series has been following. Just a little bit of a little bit of a shameless plug there, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it's a social contract because if I'm saying that I'm doing it, it means I've got to do it. Well, that's that's you've heard it here first. He's saying that he is going to get that video out. He's going to break the curse and he's going to he's going to get it's, it done. <laughs> it's been but, five um, years since the last one. <laughs> so there you go, you know, and. It's starting to feel a bit like uh, Guns N' Roses Civil War, Chris. You're gonna, you might have set yourself up there for a mighty fall. <laughs> well, I'm thinking tomorrow I'm going to be recording the the game, and I've got ideas of how I'm setting up because I recorded one the other week, and it turned out it was like the five year anniversary of the last episode, and that just kind of worked out quite nicely. But nice. uh, as I was going to edit it, I I, I found a lot of like errors in different uh, video clips and stuff. And I was just like, this is like the fourth or fifth time I've recorded this <laughs> this one scenario. Oh, I've been pretty, there, mate. I mean, I've pretty you, much you mastered like this be... scenario now. <laughs> and that's it. And do you know what? It's, um, it is like that. I mean, sometimes though, it's when you do it a few times, you're just practicing in it and then it ends up. But I mean, I suppose that's quite the joy of um, All Out War as well. You could play the same scenario five, six, seven, eight, nine times, but still get a different result each time because of obviously it's still very much based on the dice rolls. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's always a good thing for me. And I will say this, and 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 Chris is gonna, Chris might get slightly aroused, mm -hmm. but it's very similar to Blackside Studios. Don't look back. I'm not going to go into it. Neither is he. We just <laughs> it's the same sort of principle. We we both he got me into it and then I started playing it and I've uh, haven't looked back to excuse the pun. Yeah. It was <laughs> we uh, it was my mate <laughs> Seth in uh, in America who got me into it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very similar situation, isn't it? So, but I love games like that that it doesn't matter. It's not a set out thing, you know. It's like you could have you could be playing it and you go, oh well, this is how I did it last time, or maybe I'll do it a different way. Or you know, with different people, and it will always play out differently. And I do, I do really enjoy that. You know that there's no, there's no set, there's no sort of set likelihood of you winning. I mean, granted, you know, it's going to be more in your favour, but it's all down to the dice at the end of the day. And let's be honest, as everyone who's probably listening to this as a war gamer knows, the uh, the dice gods are never always on your side. Depending on the game, they're never on my side. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. It very much depends on my opponent. So does it? Um, does the game obviously just sort of finish? Uh, you know, continue with this. Obviously, it's a zombie game. We've all seen mm -hmm. how zombies operate. If they bite you, you turn. Does that come across in the game at all? Or is uh, it... yes, when you're in melee combat, because melee's got its own separate uh, phase. That's mm -hmm. why I, when I was saying what your actions were, melee wasn't in that, but shooting was. Um, when you you're rolling your your dice, if the walker wins the combat, and they've rolled a critical hit, there's a dice with like a dice face with a little exclamation mark on it. Uh, that's your your crit. If you're a, a human player, you do an extra bit of damage. 
if you're uh, the walker and you've won the combat, you've bitten them, or you've been bitten by them, and it uh, it doesn't do a whole lot straight away, but at the end of each turn, you roll, it's, a, it's like a 50-50 dice, you roll that, and depending on what the, the outcome of it is, yeah, your health will like tick down one, or it'll stay still, and you've it's just you've got that sort of like ticking time bomb on your character because mm. if you die from their being bitten, then you come back as a, a walker straight away. Oh, so does and, the um, would you just replace the miniature or would you just sort of keep it there and go there a zombie now? Well, there's there's a couple of miniatures that they've done which are zombified characters. Oh, that's nice of them there. I wish they did one of every character they have in the game, but I mean, that would just be like That's a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> models to paint, and um, yeah. But so really, I kind of, I kind of try and keep it where they look similar, but yeah. but for the most part, you can just put whoever you want on whichever walker you've got handy. Well, I can imagine because you could be you could be talking about this. I mean, we could we could each be talking about our games here for hours on end. Mm, yes. Yeah. I mean, Stop we... me from talking. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then we'll we'll jump into uh, we'll jump into the other game. I mean, funnily enough, actually, it's not too far removed uh, from Walking Dead All Out War. Um, and as I'm sure, probably um, many people who who are listening who have been to the expo at the UKGE. Uh, salute um, and sort of any sort of major war game show uh, in the year probably not last year um, because TT Combat uh, didn't do a great deal of events last year um, but uh, one of their sort of crowning jewel games um, which is what I'm going to talk about is uh, Carnival and you've also got some experience with uh, Carnival, Chris. Yes, I love that. And um, to sort of, to sort of give listeners, I mean, to those who haven't, uh, who've been living under a rock and uh, haven't heard of it, um, it's a it's a really beautiful sort of halfway point of a miniatures game. That sort of it's a miniature skirmish game set in Renaissance Venice, but there's a twist you know and it's there's magic in the air there's vampires on the streets there's monsters in the canals the church aren't as good as they uh, are in you know how well i won't get into that but <laughs> it's a beautiful halfway game between a skirmish fight but also there is an element of role playing in there because obviously a lot of the characters are very unique, uh, like heroes and leaders and such, and they'll all act differently. And and there is a really narrative-driven story uh, to Carnival. The um, the first um, rule book that they came out with with TT. Now I will I will stress this. Uh, TT Combat bought Carnival off a Spanish company called Vesperon Games. Uh, along with a couple of other games that they had. Um, and the first ed edition rulebook that they brought out uh, in a two-player starter set, and you could also buy it on its own. You can still buy it now on its own. 
a solid, I'd say, 75%, if not 80% of that book is just backstory, lore, mm-hmm. and fluff. and Written by Garth Thorpe as well. Yeah, it's beautifully illustrated. It's, you know, the pacing of the stories that are in there is, it's just, and do you know what? Even if you don't want to play the game, just have a read of that bit. And and it's, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it, and it has, it has the hints of, you know, of, of, of the Lovecraft, if you will, has hint, you know, a very, it's, it's very much dipping its feet into the pool of HB Lovecraft. But with just just a sprinkling of Bram Stoker, just a sprinkle. <laughs> but um, so yeah, it's set in Renaissance uh, Venice uh, during the seventeen hundreds, late seventeen hundreds. Um, you know, there's a big rent opened in the sky. It's caused all of these sort of cataclysmic events to happen. You know, most of the world is now, or most of Europe and some parts of the world are now underwater. Uh, due to like the rising sea levels and this has brought about a couple of things and some monsters have come through the rent although there are some that believe that the monsters are already here now what's happened here that venice has become the hub of this where the rent opened above venice and venice seems to be the epicenter of all of this issue and what's great about it is it's brought through you know it's brought a lot of attention to Venice and different factions are, you know, different factions, organizations, groups, cults have made their way to Venice to either try and survive or to take advantage of what's going on in the area. And just sort of a, a brief summary of it, of sort of factions. I'll just run you just quickly because it's not, it's not too many. So you have the guild, which the best way to sort of explain the guild is almost like the mafia. Um, they all, they, you know, they're sort of like their town protectors for a price, and they'll use citizens, tradesmen, you know, trained thieves, assassins, in their sort of gangs. Yeah, it's very, it's very much like we provide you the protection, and if you can't pay the protection, then you've got to be out on the streets doing the protecting yourself. And on another side of that. You've got the patricians, who are more your noble classes, uh, and the city guard, who they have um, under their coin or under their um, under their pay, and obviously bribery. And obviously, with newer additions that have been brought out, you find out that the patricians are a little bit more debaucherous, you know, getting into cannibalism mm. and various other things. And they've also got the navy under their payroll. And they've also brought paid uh, Ottomans and uh, to fight for their cause just through the case of coin. And I quite like those, the patricians, and it because they're quite a nice little faction. And then you've got Vatican Church, which is obviously the Vatican is now mostly underwater because of the rent thing. Um, so they've moved to Venice and set up headquarters in Venice to sort of try to sort of not so much deal with the rent, you actually find out through the story that they were blessed with magic powers, uh, magic, and they don't want anyone else to have it because they believe it's their damn right to have the magic. I like that it's like they also are like the reason yes. the Ren opened with the uh, the Harbinger. Yes, there's a character called the Harbinger who's a very 
important piece of the of the puzzle. Um, it's actually yes, it's the Vatican's church's issue, and it's their fault that the rent happened, because you know they didn't want anyone else to have this knowledge. They wanted it to be like their divine right to own it. And yeah, it 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 was a whole thing. Um, but the Vatican sort of made up of more your, you know, priests. Your so there's a couple of guys in plate armor. Uh, who are like Avignon knights, paladins, uh, various other things. Um, very much like the Crusades and yeah, yes, stuff like that. you know, very much that. There's you know, think holy warriors. You're thinking guys in plate armor, tunics, swords. You're on the right track. And I mean, if you do get a moment, anyone just go and have a look at the miniatures. They are fantastic minis. Really are. And then other factions, uh, you have the Strigoi, uh, which is led by none other than Vlad Dracula. Um, so there you're more your vampires. They also do use the Romani uh, as allies. Um, obviously, with Vlad Dracula's Romanian heritage, they use the Romanis as well. And then you've got the Rashar. So the Rashar are the other faction that you'll get in the two-player starter set. And the best way to explain the Rashar is uh, they're a religious cult and they worship a deity called Dagon. And their biggest... They're also the best uh, the best team to have. <laughs> they are very... Um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> this is a very big fan of the Rashar. And do you know what? And for good reason. You know, some of the minis you'll get in the Rashar, you're, you're talking sea monsters hybrid sea monsters uh a giant serpent unlike any other models oh they're so they're weird like you get a mini chitulu in some of the boxes it's some there's such dramatic models in there and as they're sea monsters you know and they'll and they'll eat slaves to regain health points which is also really really funny uh, and you've got one of my personal favourite factions of the Doctors of the Ospedale. And I apologise to any Italian listener who if I've just butchered that. But uh, one of, so one of the reason they're my favourite is it's so steampunk. And it's they've managed to create magic and they create weapons that use magic. And they use mental patients and straitjackets as almost like magical batteries to create magic or to use their weapons and it's it's very twisted it's very weird and um they've just re they released recently um a miniature that was called the unholy union i don't know if you've seen that chris have you seen uh, have you seen that model is that the one that looks like the human center yeah it's just it's just a massive art it's a 60 mil base is it yes it's, no no yeah it's a 60 mil base isn't it big oval 60 mil base Happen. Yes, I believe and it's, so. Yeah. And it's just a mass of arms. It's yes, think human centipede, but with more arms. And that's and that's and you know what I've I've been down to Cornwall. I've been down to TT Combat headquarters. I've met some of the design team, and I did, there was a lot of energy drinks and coffee kicking around. So one can only assume this is where those ideas have come from. But. <laughs> it's like I love painting skin, but that model would be much. like this is 
a test. <laughs> um, my dad, funny enough, painted that one, and he um, he basically said, I just had to do different skin tones just to break it up a little bit. Yeah. Who am I forgetting? The Gifted. Ah, yes, The Gifted. So The Gifted, realistically, aren't just a faction on their own. Yeah, they're very powerful as a faction, aren't they? Yes. Um, it's a, a, they're not really aimed at being a, a faction. So the kind of, you kind of more use them as, like... Um, Cell swords, they're more mercenaries. Like, they'll give off, they'll use their powers that they've got or special abilities to help other gangs for a price. Because they, they sort of, they're all, they're the gifted are very much a force that it is the gang of individuals. Whereas other factions, there will be that synergy between them, but the gifted just have no synergy between them. And, it, and your model count will be really, really low. So if you're trying to do objective play, mm-hmm so difficult but as so gameplay itself again this is what i love about chris chris would agree with tt combat a lot of their games are geared up for out of the box play um Mm -hmm. the good example of this with carnival there's two uh two player starter boxes you've got the uh, escape from san canciano box if you are looking to get into carnival and you don't want a large buy-in sorry you're gonna get my tt agent uh spiel (laughs) um as a buy-in for carnivale it's great because it's only 35 pounds it's got i believe eight models in it and everything that's in that box you can just play a game straight out of the box there's no assembly required on and those miniatures. I think they're unique models yes. as well, aren't they? Um, so the, 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 unique sculpts. Anyway. They're unique sculpts of characters, that, well, except the lesser th- real, which is the tentacle mini Chitulu, mm. uh thing, is only in that box. I love that model. <laughs> it is very, very fun to play with. Um, it's a great starter because everything, everything you need is in that box to play. And it's... There's not a lot. There's no magic involved, and that takes an element out of that. But both starter boxes are just out of the box play. And I, although, actually, to tell a lie, the bigger starter box they do, there is assembly required, and there is a bit of cleanup on the figures. Um, but it's not a much. It's not much. But everything else, you'll get cardboard buildings, tiles, board, perfect. And what I love about kind of outs, it's all D10. That's the only dice you'll ever need is D10. And they have such a unique system of play, and it's called the Destiny Dice. And just to briefly sort of summarise how the Destiny Dice works is, if you, whenever you're rolling dice, one of them has to be the Destiny Dice. It's generally uh, you'll have a D10 of a different colour, and that one's your Destiny Dice. And what's great about it is it can really turn the game on its head, and this is where more that, role-playing aspect comes in and that narrative-driven aspect of it. Like, I could attack Chris with one of my characters, I'll roll my dice, and my destiny dice has gone, nope, that's a one. And if my attack, if I don't get any of my successful attacks on the dice, i fumbled the action and I'm very likely to hurt myself just for trying to attack Chris. But on the other t- <laughs> end of that, you've got the ten, which is a critical, which then does something else or does something a little bit more spicy and the destiny dice is for every single action you take whether it's um, a dexterity check when you're jumping across buildings climbing you know anything that you do in this game 
you're rolling a dice. Except moving, obviously you don't need to roll a dice to do that, you'll just move. Um, but running or jumping, climbing, anything that involves another action, you're rolling that dice and you could fail it. Even if you've got a character, I mean, prime example, one of the characters, one of the more visually noticeable and recognisable characters in the game are the Capodacinas. Very heavy Assassin's Creed influence there on those characters. Mm -hmm. They're one of the most dexterous characters to use. And I've seen one of them fall off a building because he fumbled his dexterity check and he plummeted plummeted and just died. He plummeted off a very high building, plummeted and died in one go. Because that's what's beautiful about <laughs> Carnival. It's not it's not me versus you. It's not just me and whoever many players are playing. If anything, the city of Venice that you create with the scenery that TT Combat supply for the same game in the streets of Venice range, the canals, the street pieces, the bridges, the statues they become an extra character in the game, you know, and they're and they're so they're important to the game because you know Venice is you know famous for its canals. A third of the board, when you as a general rule, when you're setting up a board, a third of it is water, you know, and it's you can drown people in the water, you can swim in the water, you can jump into the water to save yourself from falling off a building. And you've got the iconic gondolas as well. And you've got the gondolas which. If used correctly, you can do a drive-by on a gondola. <laughs> but um, the, the board itself and the, and the scenery and the buildings are all just as important to the game as the faction that you take. And it's and once you get that immersion into it, it's it becomes a whole world. And I, and I'm not I'll hold my hands up to this, and I'm not afraid to admit this. Between me and my dad, we have all of the Carnivale miniatures. <laughs> not, not not like all of a faction, we have every single miniature that TT Combat have made for Carnival, we own it. That's amazing. <laughs> it granted we are being me and my dad both being TT agents, we do get uh, rewards for helping out with what we do. But even the buildings like We've got so many of the buildings as well. I think between, I think we've got. Poor, do you know what? Last time we checked, I reckon we've got about a ten by ten board of just stuff. Wow! But it's just as important because you need you're you're climbing buildings and 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 you can actually get a um, an attack bonus for charging or jumping on someone from a building or a charge from above. Uh, you can get a bonus which essentially decimates someone's armor. And it adds that level of depth to the game. So you can start thinking about like, you know, how, how am I going to move? Where am I going to go? What characters should I put up on the roof? What characters should be on the ground? It adds that level of depth to it, which most other games, you know, most GW games, a lot of more tabletop games, buildings are just there for breaking line of sight or to move around. Yeah, you know, but in Carnival, I mean, even in Carnival, there's some characters with magic who can effectively walk through buildings. So buildings are no longer, you know, it becomes an irrelevant aspect to them, but they become part of the board. They become part of your strategy. And Carnival is ne is not just, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to take you out. There's objectives, narratives, campaigns. 
I mean, in the main book, there's a narrative campaign, I think, of about four missions per faction, like faction specific mm. ones. And it really, really goes well, really hammers into, mm. like, if, if me and you were to play, and I was playing um, Rashar, and then you were playing your doctors, if we went through both of the, the campaigns for each of those things, they are very different Definitely. campaigns. Like, uh, your Rashar stuff really focuses on that cult aspect, mm. and uh, the doctors one is all about the, like, learning how to harness the like the magic that they've got and there's a there, there's a great one with the the fog yes there is it oh, progresses oh, along yes. the, the uh, escape the fog is a is a quite a favorite game um the idea is you can start thinking to yourself well do i just want to get to the other end of the board and escape or should i try and throw someone else into the fog teaming that up with water as well because that'll restrict because like, water restricts movement apart from for like some of the Rashar things because the water creatures but like your yeah, your standard people chuck them in the water they're not moving very far no and well, and if you're in plate armor it can effectively drown mm. you you know but it's such a beautiful game the, the you know the minis are fantastic you know tt combat are very passionate about delivering a good mm-hmm. game and what i like as well is you know, because Carnival's been going now for a long time under TT Combat's wing and, and under their in, under their flag now. We're into the second um, edition, uh, which is Blood on the Water. So it's the first sort of add-on, if you want to call it that. New campaigns, new rules, new equipment, uh, and various other things, um, and they've got new minis. Um, and some people, you know, there was worries that the old minis were becoming like obsolete. And the, what I love about TT Combat, they don't just do this for Carnival, they do it across the board of all of their games, is whenever they update things and they update characters and character cards, it's not charged. Because the way Carnival works is you the cards and the information for that character is all online on their resources page and the Gang Builder app. There's, the, you know, they will always just give it out and that be it. Because I'm not, no charge. Am I right in thinking the the Vesperon era of, uh, of Carnival? It was yeah, because you had like the dog handlers and and things like that with them. Yes. They didn't come out until more recently through TT Combat, but I think their their information was always on the the gang builder. It was, um, and the way so um, having spoken to uh, a lot of the the devs. Um, at TT Combat, great bunch of guys, by the way. It was always the plan that they wanted to fulfil the Vesperon Games characters that they had, while also still trying to bring out new stuff. Mm. You know, and because obviously the Vesperon minis are a slightly smaller scale. I I do actually have um, a Vesperon Games version of the Knight of Malta, cool. which I've actually now uh, put in a little vignette with a dragon I got from a TT Combat Kickstarter. But it's a very it's a smaller scale and I think I'm right if I'm right in saying this, Chris, the scale of Carnival, I believe, is thirty two mil. Thirty two, yes. Yeah, so I think the Vesperon games were twenty twenty eight. Twenty eight was the the standard for uh, for quite a while I think. But yeah, I what I love about it is it's the dice are different and 
it's not a massively competitive game. It's very much, oh, I want to do this, but I'm not sure how it plays out. I'll just chat to the person I'm playing and go, mm-hmm. well, what do you think? And they think, well, funnily enough, you know, I, I think that's how it should work. And then you can generally discuss a lot of the rules. It's not, it's not really fitted out too well to competitive play because it's very narrative driven. The way I've always described Carnival to people who I've talked to, uh, talked to about, it's like it's a cinematic game rather than uh, like the competitive game. I mean, obviously there is the element of competition, oh, but definitely. it's you you're playing the game to create these moments, like with uh, the cappuccino falling off the roof. Yeah, I mean that's probably never going to happen in uh, in any of your campaigns ever again. No, but you've got that 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 memory of it. Uh, I had one with the lesser Ugdru. Then they're not great at jumping, nope. but I had I had one on the roof, and he left, got the uh, got the critical success, leapt across the the canal onto another roof, ended up chucking some guy into the water, and it's like I don't think that one that model actually ever hit the water. He was just running across the rooftops all the time, and it's like he's not playing to his skill set, but he's done it. But it, it it's that cinematic thing he's just there and he's like if he fails he's falling into the water that's where he wants to be but he's going straight across that canal and it's just the best like i could see how it would work in like a film or a mm. tv show i could like i could imagine how it's shot and it's like yes <laughs> it's just a shadow leaping across what's great as well there is actually a rule in the book um, that's called moment. Oh, what was it? Moments of glory, where if you can describe well enough what's actually happening, what you're trying to do, um, your opponent can just agree to just uh, to give you will points and to uh, and just <laughs> reward you for being like, yeah, okay, cool. You can. Is it reward points or is it um, a victory point? He'll just give you a victory point for like accurately describe, like to really being like trying again to create that narrative uh, that narration uh mm. for the game and it, it rewards you for that which i which i think is really really nice and again it's a game for friends oh it's... definitely it's that's what i mean that's why i love it because obviously you know you and i have both played D, chris and it's D is not a fixed linear campaign it will change as and when things happen depending on the dice same goes for Carnival. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you know, the best laid plans. You know, fall victim at the first sign of combat. You know, and I could, I could take a giant fish monster with me into the, you know, into a battle. Next thing I know, it's been killed by yeah. something half of its size, and you're like, well, there goes my plan, and then, and then you've got to figure something else out. And then it's portable lunchbox slave yeah. ends up being man of the match. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just it. That's what I mean, and it's it's such a it's it's a game for friends. It really is, and do you know what? It doesn't. Once you get your head around the rules, you can probably smash through a sort of relatively average sized game. I'd say probably in about two hours. Mm. When I say average sized game, the way sort of building works is most games will have a point system. This is no different, but it uses. Um, Ducats, which is the currency of the time, and you'll have a leader, heroes, and henchmen, 
And the way it works is you can't have more hen- uh, heroes than henchmen. One leader, job done. And then you you buy what you need and you can get equipment. Um, just before I sort of close out on that carnival, uh, I will mention that there's agendas as well, which is nice. So it's just extra little objectives um, for your gang to earn victory points. Because not, it's not always about killing your opponents. It's about scoring victory points. That's what I, I do enjoy about it as well. It's not, oh, if I kill your character, I'm gonna, you know, I'll get a victory point. That's not always the case, you know. It's very play the objective, not just yes. you're not playing a war game. No, it is an objective, and that's again what I love about it. It's got that narrative aspect to it, and I do love that. Um, so yeah, I think I'll close. I think I'll close out carnival by saying it is it's that nice little middle piece granted airs more into the tabletop minis game but it still has good latherings and a good coating of role-playing game almost like a uh, a nice chocolatey center a nice chocolatey center of uh, tabletop <laughs> miniature gaming but with like a nice chewy exterior of role-playing games um and again it's just a game for friends it's so it's so fun and then it's you know moments to learn lifetime to master i know that's a uh a cliche thing to say but it is really the case with carnival and if um you ever get a chance when you're ever at an expo at the games expo uh salute if you're at salute this year come find me come find dad um we'll be at the tt combat stand if you ever want to have a give it have a go at carnival uh we will quite happily get you hooked on carnival without an issue (laughs) (laughs) that's a little just a little plug there for me (laughs) hell hell if i'm there i'll just go along to play as well because i just want to throw some dice oh but yeah it's it's such a fun game but yeah that's i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna close that down now for a bit and and we'll I think we'll get into the last sort of game that we're going to talk about. And I think this, well, I say well, me and Chris will both really delve into this mm-hmm. one because we, it's, we've got a massive overlap on this. And I think it's one of those yeah. things that we both, we should both sort of be talking about. It's not, it's not fair mm-hmm. on Chris. If he talk, if me, if I talk about it, it's not fair on me. If Chris talks about it solely, because we, we are so both heavily invested in this, in the next game that we are mm-hmm. going to talk about, which is Chris. It's TT Combat greatest game ever made and i don't say that lightly rumble slam i love rumble slam (laughs) oh and do you know what i i do as well that's that's what i'm doing when i'm at the events that's the game i'm pushing that's my that's my wheelhouse of games you know that's what i that's what i do when i'm at the events that's what i'm demoing and you'll see me at the expos. I'm generally dressed as a wrestler. Um, Charlotte Flair. This year at Salute. Uh, Sasha Banks. <laughs> Which one is it this time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this year I am. It's oh, at Salute. Uh, I'm going Rowdy Roddy Piper. Cool. So uh, so prepare to see me with my legs out. <laughs> and at Expo, I'm thinking. And then uh, and at the Expo, I've uh, I've I've purchased a mankind mask. Nice. So that's good. That's so. Yes, Chris. Rumble Slam. I'll yes. I'll let you dive, get us. You jump in first with this, Chris, because I know you're you're chomping at the bit to talk about it. 
Okay, so let me take you back to the the lazy, hazy days of 2019. Uh, me and my brother, we, we had a like a, a comic shop business that we were doing and I'd stepped away at, the, at this point and I'd got a job flipping burgers at McDonald's. I get my first paycheck and I think, you know what? I think I'm going to treat myself to a game. So I go, I find this wrestling game and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. This this looks a bit uh, a bit silly. Let let's take a chance on it. And I've never looked back. So, is is everyone who's ever seen anything to do with me knows I love wrestling. It's just I, I used to love it when I was a kid. Like a lot of people, you you grow out of it. But then I went to uni. And then you fall back in love with wrestling because that's what happens apparently. And ever since then, just be completely hooked. And TT Combat making this fantasy trope wrestling, but it kind of has futuristic elements to it for a fantasy trope. It's weird. It's You've got cars and motorbikes, robots. Well, that's what dwarves make. The automatons, but it's it's absolutely crazy. Oh, it is, and you guys can't see this because obviously you're listening to this audio. And there's Chris talk. I'm just nodding every single <laughs> word he's saying because it is it's such. I'm only only in and this is to be the funniest thing you'll ever hear. The only game in existence could I ever say this sentence, and other people who enjoy this game will just go. I feel you, my man. Your jacked-up unicorn knocked out my tree. <laughs> Only in a game like Rumble Slam does that sentence make a slither of sense. <laughs> and... <laughs> Bloody angels and tyranids have got nothing on this. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, your your fairy, your, your, your fairy has just, like, suplexed my orc. I'm sure it did. You tell that to people who've never played Rumble Slam, and they they look at you just going, "Okay, are the men in the white coats meant to be coming soon, or do we need to call someone?" Well, now you can have my your troll has just thrown my fish out of the ring. <laughs> Again, and it's it sounds like Makes the ramblings of a ma- yeah. To people who've never played Rumble Slam, listening to what me and Chris are saying just there, and I. You're probably just thinking, do you know what? I thought these guys had some sanity, and then now they're talking about trolls, fishes, <laughs> trees, unicorns. And when have they recorded this? When did they stop to take something? <laughs> do do they need to take anything? Was that water in Chris's bottle? <laughs> what's that water that they're drinking? Yes, it is water that Chris is drinking. It's just that is how mental and humorous and perfect a setting of a game that Rumble Slam is. Mm-hmm. It is exactly as the name suggests, and it was Chris said, it is a fantasy wrestling game. There is no other game like it. And TT Combat built this game from the, from the ground up. And as the story goes, as I've been told by the owner, is he walked into the game developer's office one day and says, I would like a wrestling game, and then walked out. 
That was it. <laughs> that is that is the birth of Rumble Slam. Is the owner just walking in and going, I want a wrestling game, turned around, walked out. And then next thing you know, you've got Rumble Slam. So I think it's only fair that Chris I sort of gets us going about hand. Oh, he is and if you've ever been met him, he is a really top bloke, super passionate about the games that he make or his company makes, super passionate about customer service. He is they are a good they are a massive company. they're a really good company. But um what I love about Rumble Slam as well is it's such a visually inviting game. And I say this as when I do the demos for TT Combat, kids see it. They see the wrestling ring. They see the ropes. They see these colourful characters in like flamboyant costumes, and it's it's visually, it's just so visually inviting. Mm-hmm. I don't and think I've ever painted got... things in such bright colours in my life. Oh, it is very vibrant, and it's if you've ever wanted to see a skeleton in a mankini, this is the game for you. <laughs> but it's, ah, oh, it's. So anyone who was at the expo last year, and I'm, I'm going to keep throwing that in there. Um, I received a early test cut of the uh, Rumble Slam Arena, which is now out for general release. It's a fantastic paint, and is intimidating to paint. <laughs> My dad is semi-retired, but he's also incredibly gifted with electronics. Uh, that would be 22 years of fixing tornadoes. Um, and he managed to have it so it's all magnetised and there's flashing lights. And it's still not finished. And, and fingers crossed that it will be done for the, this year's expo. We're going to have smoke machines. We're going to have a curtain. It's going to be pucker. But you're going to be walking into an actual wrestling event. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's just that was you know that in itself it really gives you that feel of the pace, the manicness, the, you know, the energy that wrestling brings in a tabletop miniatures game. And that's mm. not and, and you know Chris, that's not easy like to replicate the real pacing of a sport. In a in a game like you know Blood Bowl, are close. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. You know I've I've played a fair bit of Blood Bowl in my time, but they still can't really. And I've and I've also dabbled in Guild Ball. That's calm. Doesn't really hundred percent match the pacing of the sport. Whereas somehow Rumble Slam, although it's still turn based, it still gives you a feel of that pace. It's still very quick, fast paced game. Mm-hmm. And not many miniature games are spectator friendly, but mm. I would say I would argue that Rumble Slam is like Rumble Slam is as a spectator interesting to watch. I mean, we, well, there was a tournament last year, but at the expo, and there's going to be another one this year. Um, some people were just walking past, and they were sort of going, "Oh, what's that?" And they were watching it, and then people, the guys who were playing, were explaining what was going on. And this person's like, "Oh!" And it's just, and they were they were hooked watching it. Mm-hmm. And we got so much kickback of people coming to the the store, or coming to the stall um, at the expo, just talking about it. Because oh, we were watching this happen, and it's fast paced enough that you can 
just sit there and watch two uh, two people play it. Mm. Even if you don't fully understand the rules, and it, and it's even more entertaining when you do. <laughs> when you see uh, an orc wearing bright yellow lycra with a blonde mustache, and a, a dwarf yeah. in a really big cowboy hat, and it's like, I, I could it's... watch this all day. <laughs> Oh, you could, and, it, and the further you go down the rabbit hole, the more entertaining it gets. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's not just. There's. I'm, here's what I do love about it as a game, and especially with some of the characters that are available. Um, it's not just. You don't have to be massively into wrestling, because there's a lot of pop culture stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like Dragon Ball Z, uh, Tenacious D. Um, what else? Bit of Greek mythology. Um, yes. Star Wars is even mentioned in there. Yeah, I was just there. I was just thinking, I was like, which one? And yes, uh, yeah, and yeah, you Gobert is the character. <laughs> oh, and and do you know, and uh, Lord of the Rings. There's the fact that one is very obvious because the team <laughs> is called the Lords of the Ring, and it's. It's there's so and there's and there's even like um, well Disney they've been touched there's now getting is is now receiving the Rumble Slam treatment with uh, the mermaid Lenore. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's and that's that, another that's another I was thing thinking. What, which one and um, uh, what you call it? Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Um, yeah. It says there's um, um, I've, I can't get my word out here. <laughs> This is how passionate we are, but we're just trying to get all these words out to you. <laughs> and it's there's just so many things in there that they and the, and their sense of humour on it as well is fantastic. Marvel, that's Lee, another one I'm going to put out there. That was as it. Well. Yeah, Marvel, that was it. <laughs> but um, and that's my point. And it's there's it's they've it's captivating so many people. Like obviously, if you know your wrestling and you'll see a lot of the superstar characters, you're like, yeah, that's this person, that's this person, that's this person. Um, but a lot, some other people will notice the sort of more the pop culture things. Um, but again, even if you don't know about it, and you know, guys out there listening, it is always been and always has will be. We have always been a hobby of the rule of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and this this game has that in spades. I mean, that's how I got into it. I was, um, I was, where was it? I was in. I was just flying through whaling games. I was um, just um, doing it. I was just going through whaling games, and do you know what? I accidentally clicked on it. I wasn't. <laughs> I was looking for something else, and Rumble Slam was underneath the game I was went to click on. And I clicked into it, and I looked at the figures, and I thought, what's this? And I had a look into it, and I saw some of the figures, and I was like, do you know what? I'm... And it, it it did, it just switched that little wrestling, my wrestling fan brain on that I had, it had been turned off for a long time, and then it just switched that back on, and I was like, yeah. And then I bought it, and then, yeah, that was it. I was hooked on it from ever since, and then it's just... It's such an amazing thing, and we're into the um, version two rule book now. Uh, again, 
really nice quality rule book. And I'm yeah, I know that seems like a very strange thing to say. Um and like a weird thing to get excited about, but I like a good quality rule book. The layout you know, of this and to go back to Carnival as well, everything is so clear. Like uh, your images to hmm. to give you the examples of the, the rules and things. Very clear, very easy to just you look at, you know what you like what section you're at and it's just it reads really well it really does and um now going from that there was things that they'd brought out as um, add-ons uh for version one i'll call it for less of a better mm-hmm. word um they brought out a, uh, an expansion uh for referees that also referees, involves yeah. tripping and pinning um, they've just now introduced tripping and pinning into the normal rules, and then mm. the referees just add flavour. And a lot of the the newer cards as well, because uh, they've they've been updating mm. the older cards for like a new a new style of them to keep it like to keep it all kind of looking the same. Uh, and your newer yes. characters, especially, they have things that impact things like pinning. Mm. So for something like a rule that you might not have really ever used uh, if you are playing from day one there because obviously it wasn't in that rule book. Now it's made it uh, it's made its way into the game to become more of uh, a wrestling thing because originally mm. it was your, your Royal Rumble Battle Royale sort of over the top rope eliminations Definitely. only. And it's, and it's only just improved it. I, th- I still think that is how most of my eliminations take place, but sometimes pinning is just the best option because they mm. characters who can't throw very far. There, you might be stuck in the middle of the ring. That's going to be an extra turn to uh, to get to the the edges to get within range. It really has changed uh, the game. It really did, and I think anyone getting into Rumble Slam now. Uh, especially with those version 2 rules, it is a more thematic game now than it was in its infancy because of that. And what's great about it as well is I've I've always found there's two kinds of people who are buying Rumble Slam at these events or who are playing it, demoing it, you know, is parents who wants their kid to get into a war, miniatures war game but doesn't want to overwhelm them with a large tabletop game, finicky miniatures that they're probably not going to be too interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that needs a simple rule set. And Rumble Slam's rule set is as simple as they come. Right? Definitely. It's you've got two you've either move or you're attacking someone. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And it's what dice you've got to roll is very clearly stated. You've got four stats that you're going off of, all your dice shown on the card. You've got your abilities, and if it needs a little bit of big rule clarification, it's written on the card. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And that's it's that sort of simplicity which I think a lot of parents, uh, and and I say this as a parent myself. I've got two kids. I've got a ten year old and eight year old. It's more the eight-year-old who plays these games and she loves playing Rumble Slam because of the colourfulness and the humour of the characters. Um, 
she finds it quite simple so wants to get her head around the rules and how it works because so the board itself is a 10 by 10 uh square or 10 by 10 square ring um with ropes surrounding squared circle there's the old squared circle um it's and it's really good and it's so there's no measuring involved you know kids can count it easy enough and i found the second kind of person who buys into rumble slam is someone who likes wrestling but also wants a nice little game to play at the end of a game a game night because mm-hmm. you can once you've got your head around the rules of rumble slam you can smash through what we call an average game which is a million dosh which is the point system um it's usually like what five models or something a million dosh yeah about five about five basically what you would buy in a team box that's mm-hmm. a million dosh generally and you want you know once you've got your head around the rules i'm i'm plowing through a game in about i'd say what 80 minutes 70 minutes I you know, probably about, it, about an hour. You're looking at about between half an hour to an hour, because as the game goes on and you like you're losing characters, the rounds go really quickly, and it's a strict yes. five round uh, game. Yes. And, and that's as what soon I like as that about fifth as round's well. done, you tally up. Uh, you if a winner hasn't been declared, you you tally up how many. Like remaining points are left in the board, and you you win as there. And that's what I, I that's why I like games like that. And I mean, I as I said earlier, I don't have the mental capacity to play a game any longer than like two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and then to not get a result at the end of that time infuriates mm-hmm. me. Like I hated it when I used to because and like I like most people, I started my war gaming. Uh, hobby with 40k like I'm you know that's where I started we all did you know games workshop is the gateway I mean Christ GW gateway games workshop <laughs> they're the gateway to to modeling and and, and for good reason um, mm. but I hated it because I would play a game and I'd be there with guys and like you'd get to the point where you've been playing three four hours my brain's starting to fizzle and there's no definitive result where it's like, oh, but if I did this, mm. I would have done this. And then it's, what would be the point of us even playing the game now? Because you always could just play it all in our head. And yeah. I didn't need to spend like 150 quid on these miniatures. <laughs> but um, that's what I do love about Rumble Slam. It's fast paced. The rules are easy to learn. I think actually TT Combat as a whole, rules are very much moments to learn, lifetime to master. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might well be a slogan they should probably take up, and if they do coin it, I will take some commission. <laughs> um, but I like games like that, mm-hmm. you know, where I can explain the rules and I can explain how it works. And it's like when that's how you got to say it. Like when you know, when I'm demoing it to kids, it goes, "Oh, so what have you got to do? It's wrestling, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <Just> win." <laughs> I like. Put I on don't a show. Know how else to explain? <laughs> yeah. So the base core of uh, we were me and Chris are going for hours about Rumble Sam, and we we have done it occasionally. Have gone into hours <laughs> just talking about it. We probably spend more time talking about it than we have playing it. Yeah, and that's because of how quickly a game of Rumble Slam is. <laughs> that is that is because of that. So Rumble Slam, you get given a set amount of money 
you you put on, you hire a team of of rookies or superstars to fight. Then you fight, and then whoever's left at the end is your winner. And it's that's it. That is that's in its base essence. That is Rumble Slam. Yeah. And the most people you can have playing on that board at any given time. I've most I played is five. Mm-hmm. So we had four teams and a ref. So the ref um, can be played in two ways. He's either a player on his own or he acts uh, independently to a point. Yeah. So at the end of the round, you'll roll a dice and whoever gets the highest number on that dice uh, controls the ref for that turn. Yeah, the closest to Um, an AI on it it. is the referee and that's just determining who... Mm. It's the ref can be quite funny. I've I've got a story I'll get into after. But um, I mean, other than that, I mean, for you know, add-ons, you've got the back alley brawl, which uh, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here for Chris because I know he was going to say it, but I feel like I want to tell him <laughs> because this is how this is genuine, and, I, and this is how I actually uh, found out and how I met Chris. It's kind of why I wanted to say it. Um, I was looking at building my own ring for Rumble Slam, and then I found this video that Chris has on his channel and honestly if you do like Rumble Slam and and do you know if even if you just like board making just give it a watch um Chris made a back alley brawl uh ring um for the back alley brawl add-on for TT Combat's Rumble Slam which makes takes Rumble Slam Involves things like cars, motorcycles, vending machines, bins. Very fantasy adds a whole new, <laughs> Yeah, and it adds a whole new game mechanics. A whole, there's two there's two game modes, isn't it, uh, in that? It adds two or four. so. No, it's either way, so it adds extra game modes. I think there's three. One of them mm. doesn't involve the, the weapons. Yeah, um, so basically... Uh, do go and watch uh, Chris's video. I'm sure he'll probably like. He might put a link to the video uh, in the description of this. So please do uh, go and watch. <laughs> put it. links to every video um, I've mentioned as well. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it, it adds a whole new uh, twist uh, to Rumble Slam. It makes it a little bit more violent, more violent than it already is. Um, and then a, a more recent. Uh, add-on was the tables, ladders, and chests. Mm. Now, that starts bringing height into the equation. Yes. Uh, of, and gets you a lot more aerial. Um, anything that can be done in wrestling, one way or another can be done in Rumble Slam. Uh, there's plenty of people. One of my good friends, uh, Ben Collins, um, he has written... Uh, a lot of extra rules for Rumble Slam for things like coffin matches, um, cage matches, Royal Rumble rules. He's written a lot of those, sort of, and he's also done league rules as well, like campaign rules. Uh, so if you are listening, Ben, cheers. Uh, There's a one I want to make. I've, I've mentioned it before. In I don't think it was the TT community post because I was in there a few times, but uh, it's. One of the the cat characters, my my hero, um, one of the superstars, and I like I kind of gave a little extra fluff to his background, 
and it's like uh, he trained in the the shift and sands rings of the the diamond oasis and i was wanting to do some rules for that so as you like at the end of each turn or well i guess at the end of each round the uh, you'd like roll and basically everyone moves like x number of spaces in a certain direction mm. So if you hit the ropes, you stay at the ropes, everything's coming towards you. And it can be shifting things around all the time. But like I've never and that's... sat down and really got into the nitty gritty of how it would all work out and stuff. But it's like... the I mean, there's got the event cards as well mm. that Rumble Slam do that bring that extra flavour into the game. I mean, for a game that already is absolutely drenched in flavour... Mm absolutely drenched in humor and it these event cards just throw on some like just you know just sprinkle on loads more flavor and it's for such it's and you know what i will hand on heart say this it is a massively under see you know under seen game it's so undervalued so underappreciated and you know what and chris would agree with me for a buy-in it's not it for value for money as a buy-in for a two-player starter set is can't be beat mm-hmm. by anybody, you know. And that's one thing that the owner Louis um, Louis Simpson is passionate about um, with his games that he cre- his company creates is that he wants that, uh, you know, he wants that sort of two-player starter set to have that fantastic value, mm-hmm. and Rumble Stand really does. Na- really, you know, hit that nail on the head there with it. With the Rubble Stamp starter set as well, I think if you only ever bought that box and you only played with those two teams, you've got two solid teams right there. I think the uh, mm. the Green Bruisers, the Orc team, I think they're probably one of, like, still one of the best teams in the game. They are still really relevant. Whenever I've played against them, my team doesn't fare very well they're a, they're a hard wearing tough team but not overpowered oh that's that's well that's historically orcs as well mm. i mean i me and again ben um we were tasked during the pandemic because obviously there was no events going on we weren't war gaming we needed to get our nerd out um and we were tasked with writing the with what we've delightfully referred to as the rookie's handbook which is sort of gives a brief insight a little bit of gameplay advice mm-hmm. for all of the season one teams we'll say um for a lack of a better term um and this covers everything up to the kalaka kabbalah mm-hmm. basically everything else that came out after that we've considered like season two um, you know, we, you know, the, the heavy pounders and the green bruisers, the reason they're in that two player starter box is they haven't got a lot of complicated rules mm-hmm. and they're so easy to build around. Um, I mean, I think we'll probably go a bit, we'll do a little bit more of a game focus probably in a later episode, Chris, I think, cause otherwise we'll be here all night. <laughs> uh, you know, but I think you so, say, you know, in a later episode, me and Chris are going to go into a little bit more, you know, game focuses of games that we both play. And get, it might be one episode, it might be more me, more Chris. 
just depending on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will be definitely in the future. It's very likely the next episode um, that we'll be doing a game focus on Rumble Slam to really get our teeth into it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do do watch out for that. And if, you know, we've said anything that, you know, you've that's tickled you, you know, we'll happily talk your ear off about it. <laughs> the story that I was going to tell with the uh, about the referee. Yeah. So I'd went down to I'd went down to Leeds. Uh, I used to live uh, down there when I went to uni, and a lot of my friends are still there. So I took Rumble Slam with us, and we're having a we're having a game. Uh, I was playing as the the Carnavale. Oh, um, the Masked Mayhem. The yes. Reference team, yes. the Masked Mayhem, and I forget which team my mate Mike was playing, but we had the the Death Ref. He's like the the Grim oh, Reaper. Yes, he's one of my favourites. <laughs> big Punch, the big nice. guy for the the Mast Mayhem team. He was absolutely cracking skulls. He was he was the main threat for for Mike. And I was controlling the ref all the way through, and it was fantastic. But it, it's like his ability where he can like either massively buff or hugely debuff people never really took off. But the one time that Mike got control of the ref, Big Punch was stood right there. And he's like, right, does the uh, does the, the the check, and it buffs him. <laughs> it made an already very tough guy even tougher, and we just burst out laughing. And that's and, then and that's Rumble the and that's Rumble Slam, mate. You know, if you're not, if you ain't having a good time, you ain't playing it right. You know, and it's mm-hmm. that was one thing that we, uh, I, I said I was trying to move us away, but you've you've made me pull out one last little point. <laughs> what the even <laughs> on a competitive stage, which we brought last year and bringing it back this year, even when people were losing, they were still having the best time of their of their life. Just mm-hmm. you know, being around other people, playing this game, everyone's having a good laugh. You know, and that's and that is. I've won very few games of Rumble Slam, and I've never had a bad game of Rumble Slam. And I will hundred percent agree with you there, mate. I've, you know, I've won some, lost some, but every single game, I've thoroughly enjoyed. And it's, it is such a beautiful game. So, I think Chris, it's about time we uh, brush off the desks, get the brushes out of the way, get the uh, get the trimmings off. What have you got on the table, Chris? Well, at the minute, I've been painting the Reef Ragers, which uh, is for Rumble Slam. <laughs> it's uh, the pieces of D8 Casino, which I believe is one of the latest ones. Oh, well, outside of the Kickstarter, it's the latest uh, casino. Um, it's mm. uh, like a pirate and nautical-themed uh, casino. And, uh, it's got a couple of merfolk, a couple of fish, and a hermit crab. And uh, I've also got the Petty Fight Menagerie, which is the latest team. Um, yes. Which look amazing, <laughs> so, by look the way. Pretty damn cool. And the superstars for them as well. Uh, I've, I've still got those to build. Mm. Uh, they'll. I'll probably wait until I've painted a few more models before I, before I get these ones built up. And uh, like I mentioned before, I'm also getting back into playing a bit of The Walking Dead. Uh, getting that next episode done. Nice. What about you, Daz? Well, uh, funnily enough, I also have some Rumble Slam on the table. 
Uh, I have I've just got halfway through painting my knolls uh, from the um, from the most recent TT Combat uh, Kickstarter uh, with the mountain, mm -hmm. uh, the junk what was it the scrapyard scrapyard scrappers something like junkyard scrappers something like that. Leave um, that's it. Yeah. With their superstar, uh, and I also have uh, Mister Sock. <laughs> And uh, Sir Hugh Mann, also um, on Rumble Stand being painted. Um, they're all, well, those, those two are nearly very much nearly done. And I'm also, um, I've got a, I've got some bolt action. I've got some bolt action on the table as well. Uh, I am a Winter Soviets collector of uh, bolt action. Um, so that I've got a bit of that on the table. I've got a tank that's half painted, and oh, what else? There was something else. Oh yes, um, the dragon that I mentioned earlier—that um, is uh, in a constant state of me being paint <laughs> of painting it. It's like it's to to put it into perspective. It's quite a large model, uh, so I'm trying to sort of get through it. I've got the uh, uh, in piece by piece the, the carnival. Gondola attack diorama scene that uh, that's like that for me. Um, it's always in a state of it's being painted, but not quite. But yeah, it's. Uh, I just you know I've, I'm one of these. I'm not like um, so. Chris obviously does a lot more painting than I do. Um, I've got two kids, so I've, I've got to try and fit that around uh, my painting around you know that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so things I have a lot of more backlog. Um, I've got a big backlog to get through. <laughs> it's never, it's not a pile of shame, ladies and gentlemen. It is a pile of opportunity. It's a spending problem. And I will, and I will say. It. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. Oh um, no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. I thought I'd started it, but I hadn't. I mean, that's really it for me. I'm a. Uh, I'm not a uh, speed painter like a lot of people. I do try and take me time. And again, the reason why I like small model counts mm -hmm. because I, I really enjoy um, painting like lots of different things. I don't like painting the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much the same. I painted a bunch of stuff uh, just before Christmas. I think it was, I think it would probably be in October. Mm. Well, yeah, it was October. Uh, I was painting a lot of orcs, and there was the like the kill team orc commanders. So there was, you know, I think the the main thing that was the same on each of them was just the skin. But I had a bunch of other orcs I was painting. There was uh, some like uh, Soviet goblins, which I really enjoyed painting. But like painting mm. just skin, oh, I like painting skin. But this just sheer army. I think I did about 30 odd models in that month and a lot of it was just the same thing over and over and I, that's not how I paint I'm not an army painter I'm very much a character a character piece painter um, I will say this while we're on the subject of paints um, I recently turned Chris on to uh, TT Combat's new range of paint mm -hmm. um, if you haven't used any of it or if you've not heard about it where have you been <laughs> where have you been um now ladies and gentlemen out there 
we all know the struggle and the strife of painting yellow on miniatures, you know, and it's, you know, it's it's hard. I'm just holding this up to the camera now, just the the show does this fantastic bottle of spotlight yellow. Oh, TT Combat's yellow paint is by far, and I and I'm not paid to say this, um, and I'm not trust me, I'm not I'm not being paid at all. Um, if I'm not they, getting paid, no one is. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, it is one of the best yellow paints for miniatures out there on the market. Definitely, it really is. What was it I was painting and with? It's, uh, it's... With it, it was the. It was some uh, Rumble Slam models. The uh, what's the pirate team? Uh, the booty chasers. Oh, the yes. We got them with the the red and yellow. Again, striped. these are the sorts of names that yeah. come out. They're the red and yellow striped uh, trousers and the trim that they've got on and stuff like that. I used Spotlight Yellow and the coverage mm. of that was unbelievable. Usually I'm one of those people that when you, it comes to painting yellow, you paint it pink. And did not have to, to do that at all with uh, with this one. I, I think it would have went over a grey primer and mm. two coats. Like the second coat was just to make sure everything was nice and smooth, but I mean, it, it the coverage of it was incredible. Best yellow I've used. It is. So, I mean, so uh, I'd say with it being a new uh, paint line that has come out, I think that's uh, nicely set up our last sort of section here, if you want to call it that. Uh, new and shiny. New and shiny. So this is a sort of section that we're gonna we're gonna call it. We're keeping the name New and Shiny. We we both really like that. New and Shiny is a good name. And New and Shiny is each episode we're gonna sort of bring. Uh, we're gonna sort of talk about something that we know is coming out or potentially there's rumors about. We'll try and keep it more things that have been confirmed mm -hmm. rather than oh I've heard this. Um, I'm also will also say as well. I am sworn to secrecy uh, with a lot of TT Combat stuff. Um, there there are things that they've told me in confidence. As a member of the TT family, uh, I'm a TT agent. It's kind of what I do. Uh, you'll see me a lot of the events with TT Combat. I am a volunteer, um, and I'm just trying to get promotion of the games out there to get people playing the games. And I'm just a big fan of TT Combat. I do get told a lot of secret things, so those things will stay secret until TT Combat have released those sorts of things. I've tried the prying needle information out of him, and he will not give it up <laughs> that these secrets are in safe hands. What Chris doesn't know is that I like it when he does that. <laughs> so, Chris, okay. what new releases, new releases are you looking forward to? Right, so... I'm going to keep it firmly in that TT Combat camp for now. This will be the last bit of TT Combat thing I'm bringing up for for now, anyway. And I, and I, and I think I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> it's, a, it's a game I've been pestering you about for probably about yes. a year now. Oh, and the rest. Half Tilt. Half Tilt. <laughs> yes. Half Tilt uh, was the late. Well, it was. it's the latest uh, Kickstarter from TT Combat to be funded. It hasn't been completed shipped out sort of sort of thing June, um, um, just where, from before when you were saying the latest td combat kickstarter team uh the the mountain it's they were the latest one from yes. the, the kickstarters that have shipped and completed um 
just in case anyone's wondering how they missed that, uh, there's there's not a Rumble Slam thing in Half Tilt, but the crowd, the crowd is where it's at. <laughs> um, it's a, a jousting game with obviously Half Tilt, Halflings, Hobbits playing jousting. What's not the love about that? And uh, I am a backer of this, and I know Chris is as well. I was lucky enough to play the most up-to-date version of the rules at uh, Tabletop Gaming in Manchester, um, where I, obviously, I was the, the creator of the game, uh, Bradley, lovely guy. Um, it is his baby. Um, I got to play it. Now, I know there's probably a few of you out there uh, as seasoned as as well as, as, as myself and Chris that uh, Games Workshop did for a long time ago have full tilt and then they stopped doing it and then now TT Combat brought out half tilt. The rules are different enough. They're very different. I've looked at both rules and the rules for half tilt a lot more... I've seen Eric's Hobby Workshop on YouTube playing full tilt in very different rule set. So don't don't think to yourself, oh well, isn't it? Is it just full tilt with halflings? It's really not. It is its own mm. game. It's a very beer and pretzels game. It's not. It's not geared up for competitive play. It's just a it's just a fun little game. You know, it's it's halflings on I horses. I think it'll definitely get like your Rumble Slam fans mm. will, will will like this. It's. It's like, like you say, it's it's just there for fun. Yeah, and it's the, you know the characters there that they've got the some of the sculpts. I've been lucky enough to see uh, some of the sculpts. Um, I, can't, I I didn't take any pictures. I wasn't allowed. Um, <laughs> but just be known that they are fantastic, and in TT combat fashion, they are really, really humorous. Um, the rules are fun. The rule, you know, they're fun, easy to get, and you know, and comedically thematic. And Chris is just showing. I'm um, just showing on the the Daza cat on the camera here. Uh, the Mickey Squire model that was an event exclusive. Yeah, uh, uh, Black Friday, I believe it was. Black Black Friday, that's the one. Um, uh, Night Rider parody of jousting, and he <laughs> will be uh, usable in half tilt. He will be having rules given for him, so he is a usable I character. Cannot wait. <laughs> so I've got, got well, you've only got to wait till June, Chris. Like that's that's when the, the shipping date is, and it's it is just a really fun game, and it's anything that's got halflings in it is okay with me. You know, I'm gonna say one thing: Sapphire Oasis, Kitlings or Riot. That's I'm putting it out. He's there. putting it out. It's out there now. It's on the internet. It's and I know he's it's worked for him before, and he's it has. <laughs> they just they, all they had to check their emails to make sure there wasn't any leaks. This was before we we firmly cemented our friendship. And uh, during the Desert of the Dead, they had the, the first Rumble Slam theme for the Diamond Oasis, and I immediately started the Catwalk or Riot, which was already 
in the works behind the scenes. And it's just like, yes. <laughs> Surprisingly, I love cats. Yeah, he's, they've encouraged. They allowed it to happen. They've encouraged him, and they've and they've and he's just going to do it again. Yeah. So what else? I think that's about all really for half tilt at the moment. I mean, if you haven't backed it already, the campaign has yeah, ended. It's... Um, as of what date we on now? Yes, it's been over now for a, a while. A while. Twenty uh, fourth Feb. Um, but yes, uh, it probably will be coming to. From what I've heard, uh, from my reputable sources, if anything, from the horse's mouth. Um, it won't go on to general release the troll's mouth. from the troll's mouth. Yes, from the troll's mouth. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to try and keep it on theme with horses and jousting, but um, <laughs> either either are. Um, it won't be going to general release, obviously, straight after the Kickstarter because they want to make sure that people get in their pledges. The timed exclusive. Yeah, and then it will be coming to general release. And from my understanding, it's probably going to start at about £45. Just for, just for the core game, which will give you um, the models, the, the, the base set of models, which I believe is there's 10, 10 models... Uh, the tilt yard and the game map, and I think that's it with the dice and cards and such. Which and a rule book, obviously. Um, and again, the artwork. If you if you didn't get to see it, the artwork on the rule book is just hilarious. It's it's pure. Yeah. It's pure TT combat. It's pure halfling hilarity. You know, and it's it's going to be a quite the game, and I'm sure when it does come out, me and Chris will probably do a nice little half tilt episode, and we'll try and we'll probably end up talking like knights the whole time, but um, <laughs> we'll we'll see. So what else, Chris? What's what's what have you what have you got new and shiny? We've got Bramble Trek solo RPG, which was through Backer mm-hmm. Kit. Um, again, like. Uh, just like with Rumble Slam, I play things solo, even games I can't be played solo. I tried my best to, to make it fit. And uh, when I saw Bramble Trek coming up, it, it just looks like a really nice RPG. It's done through a deck of cards to create your things. Is that the one where it's like, um, it's the mice? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We are. On, I was, when you said about it, I think I remember you telling me about mm-hmm. it. And I did look into it. It did look really quite cutesy. I thought it looked quite nice. <laughs> so from like what they've uh, what they've shown on the on the video for it, it's yeah you've got your deck of cards that's creating your events, and it's done through almost like journaling your character's adventure based on these cards, and they're they're saying it's a very like mindful play experience so I, I immediately went in with that and uh, i'm looking forward to to that uh, i've not written down for some reason when it's uh when it's due to come out but it's, uh, it's a few months away uh 8th of march 8th of march no 8th of march uh is the fallout decks for magic the gathering well, magic the gathering yeah and i misread i now contrary to popular belief we're not just doing this off the cuff we did know what we were going to talk about chris sent me an email <laughs> And I have just grossly misread that. Yes, I've, that's partially down to my format, and I, I forgot to separate that. <laughs> but uh, I'm a big Fallout mark, definitely. Um, mm. And I've, I got into playing Magic the Gathering last year, 
uh, against my friends down in Leeds. Uh, we can play it online. You know, we set up our cameras and uh, we play. So it, it's good. I can have a bit of a time with friends that aren't there. They go on around us, which is uh, which is always a bonus. And started out, I got a, a Necron deck because I've got a big collection of Necrons. I was like, yeah, I'll get that. That'll mm. be fun. And it's just steadily grown. I, I've got too many decks, and now I'm getting another four. Um, you've got Science, which is like your institute, and uh, I'm guessing there'll be some Brotherhood in there, because it's not all just focused on one faction. Um, it's kind of more just a theme of things. Uh, you've got the Scrappy Survivors, which uh, you've got your dog meat in there, and uh, I think Preston Garvey will be in that one as well. There's Mutant Menace, which has the, I guess, the Super Mutants and Frank Horrigan from Fallout 2. He's the, like an enclave Super Mutant. And uh, the best thing is the uh, the Mothman. And I love Mothman. I just want Modifius to release a Mothman model and I'm buying it immediately. But as soon as I saw Mothman on there, I was like, yep, Commander, done, that's that's that there. And then there's Hail Caesar as your final one, and that's there's a lot of New Vegas stuff, and who cares about New Vegas? Unpopular opinion, hmm. New Vegas is not the best. Well, let's agree to disagree, Chris. Um... <laughs> I will die on this hill. Mate, you, you die on that hill, you will. <laughs> but, um, oh, wow, well, you, you've kind of put that into it nicely, because... Um, there is that Fallout uh, series happening soon, isn't there? A lot coming out for yes, Fallout. Yes, the 12th of April. Yeah, the, this is like a lot of uh, a lot of things going on for it. Um, I mean, Bethesda's been putting out some uh, some new like collector stuff uh, as well. There's like a the mini nuke. They did a mini nuke for Fallout 4's mm-hmm. release, and they're doing like an, another one with the the special cards, which of the like the game codes in for downloading nice. it, and from what it looks like, I think it is the same mini nuke thing. It's just like the your interior gift stuff's slightly different, and I've got the mini nuke, and it's great. I love <laughs> it. Um, but yes, twelfth of April for the the Fallout show on Amazon Prime. Nice, and the trailer for it looks really good. It does. Uh, they've, they've nailed the look. If there's one thing I can say, it's the Brotherhood of Steel's power armor isn't grimy enough. It's very clean, but that is a minor nitpick, and I think it I'm not sure it's going to ruin. It's, it's not going to ruin the rest of very it. Very fun. No, it's, definitely not. Definitely, you not. know. But there'll, there'll be someone who who'll mention it. So I, I want to get in there first and say it. But uh, I think as well for the Medifius models. This is going to be a really good one for doing mm. some like uh, conversions and just like ideas for painting like the survivors and, and things like that. And uh, like the TV show's got a like a ghoul character as like a secondary main. I'm, I'm guessing He's, he features quite a bit in it. And I think if someone gets like a, a blank card and creates a profile for him, he'd be very simple to make a, an actual model for just kit bash a bit of green stuff and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this kind of this tv show kind of helps in with a lot of the the hobby side of it oh it definitely will i mean i, I would be disappointed cool. 
if in these episodes that at least not once every single episode is that you'll have them coming up to you. Someone will, some character will appear and go that are from the Minutemen saying, oh, there's a there's a um there's a settlement there's a settlement that needs your help like every episode like then that's how i know that they've really listened to the community um but definitely if they do it like a monster of the week thing like that that would be really good but definitely it will do like what x files did where you've got the major arc and story and then you've got standalone ones but definitely it will help um the the hobbying aspect of it as well because Mm. and i mean look i I got. To, I mean, it's not. It's. I know it's going to sort of feel like a tedious link, but Mephidius Games also do the Call to Arms, which is the Skyrim, um, Skyrim mm. miniatures, and I've played a couple of that. I can't justify the cost of it. Like, I wouldn't. I. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I. I don't play enough of it. Beautiful figures, beautiful, beautiful miniatures, mm-hmm, definitely. And so are the Fallout ones, but I just don't play enough uh, to justify the cost of it. Um, but definitely it will get more people potentially who are already in a hobby may come over to it and then find it, you know, and it's going to help. It's anything that helps the hobby. I am a hundred percent for like with, you know, especially like Henry Cavill has really helped our hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I've accepted him as King of the nerds. Um, <laughs> he has done, he's, brought our hobby into a less nerdy state you know yeah when you've got a guy who's built like uh, like him painting custodies it's like it gets eyes on it and yeah and it's it's only good for the hobby and i think mm-hmm. and one of the things i really love about our hobby and i will sort of say this um before we sort of say goodbye, it's as it, well. Generally, it's a very supportive hobby. Um, people are very open to giving, sharing techniques. Uh, like for t- between me and Chris, Chris is a far superior painter than I am. Oh, um, he quite when well, I've picked his brains about certain things, um, and you know he's been always very open about techniques and how he does things without sort of you know adding on unnecessary explanation you know and i've other people in the community that i've spoke to like oh how did you do that and how did you do that and they'll just tell you for the the ones who just tell you what it is it's like that that's what you want you know i don't believe in gatekeeping no it's it's gotten less prevalent in the hobby i will say Mm -hmm. Um, but it's you know there are exceptions to that there are some people out there still who are very mm. no you can't do that mm. and those people don't speak for all of us especially not no. me especially not Chris when I've made painting tutorials on YouTube I make them the for the beginner I'm not an advanced painter by any means I, I like glazing I'll do a lot of glazing when I've done it in the videos and I've explained how you make a glaze, I don't go into the the fine detail of how to get like the perfect consistency for the the pigments of the paint. It's just slap some water in it till it runs nice and you barely see it on the model and just keep building it up. It's like 
advanced, the way I think of it is it's advanced techniques for a beginner, for beginners. So I try to avoid doing airbrush stuff because not everyone's got an airbrush. Yeah, I love true. my airbrush. I, I basically just use it for base and stuff. Mm. Um, I don't have the technique for doing little little models and details and stuff like that. I use it. It's, it's just a basic thing. I'll use it on scenery. But mm. in my videos, I'll not use it on there. I did a, a carnival building. Uh, one of the... Uh, one of the buildings one in from uh, one of the buildings from the streets of Venice range. I can get the words out. I just use a brush. It's a makeup brush I got from <laughs> Wilco's R.I.P. And it's just it's just basically just dry brushing that I, I do on it, and you know it gets a good result. It's near enough what you'd get from an airbrush. I don't think gatekeeping is really welcoming paint because no, let, let's be honest painting is the main part of this hobby you can want to play the games you're probably going to spend more time painting the model yeah mm. and i mean so it is that um so in the future um we would sort of at this point hopefully we know get a bit of feedback from you guys maybe get a little couple of you asking some things if there's anything you want to know um i'm sure between me and chris we can sort of, if you've, you know, I mean, there's some areas, I mean, even Chris has said that there's some areas that I do that I'm particularly... If you need to do any colour blends, this guy knows how to do colour blending. I am very good at it. Like it's, <laughs> I don't, I'm not good at many things, Chris, but denim is another one I'm very good at. But um, so this is, yeah, so if there's anything you guys sort of want to ask me, Chris, um, like any painting advice... Um, if you're just getting started, maybe you're a seasoned pro. Even if you want to share any sort of painting technique that you know you've in your travels, you've sort of like done, and no one else seems to be doing, and you think it helps, let us know, and we'll we'll have a chat about it. Um, hopefully, uh, in future episodes, I don't think they're going to be as long as they are now. We were just sort of <laughs> trying to give you a good, uh, a nice, good meaty hunk. Mm. Uh, me and Chris, uh, what we're definitely about. introduces you to what we're about, kind of get our personalities and our passion for this over, and I, th I definitely think we're we're well on the way to doing that. So uh, I think it's uh, it's a thanks for me, thanks for Chris, and uh, thank you definitely so much, honestly, guys, for joining us on this uh, on this little trip that me and Chris are taking on the Tippy Cast. Uh, and if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to give us a follow, share us around your friends. We don't mind. More the merrier. If you want to, uh, more the merrier on our little journey. If you're listening to us on YouTube, then why not drop us a like and subscribe? Win with any thoughts that you've got on what we've mentioned. If we've missed something, or maybe you've got something for us to look at for the next episode, just drop it in the comments below.